I would say like the key thing that we have identified as like a critical component for success for us from like a measurement standpoint would be understanding like the life cycle from the moment a user installs our app and beyond. And in particular, like the first few hours and the first few days, because that's where we see the majority of like critical needs analysis to be addressed. Does segmentation spark joy in your life? Do your eyes light up when you think of audiences? Does adjusting ad logic and frequency cause your heart to skip a beat? Well, you might be insane or you might have what it takes to become a mobile hero. Hello and welcome to Mobile Heroes Uncensored. My name is John Kutzier and we're joined, of course, by our co-host Peggy Ensaltz. Today is kind of Groundhog Day at Mobile Heroes Uncensored. Sort of. Peggy will explain. Peggy, who are we talking to? That's right. Groundhog Day. Here we are because we have Jeff Fladdock. And if the name is familiar, it's because we featured him not long ago. It was episode number 57. Jeff is one of a kind in many ways. As you'll recall, he heads up monetization and growth at Flip a Clip, a powerful fun tool that makes frame-by-frame -frame animation easy. It's also an app that won Apple's app trend of the year in 2019, maybe coming back. That would be a really cool part of the groundhog feel here. His career started in digital advertising sales at AOL, Amazon, moving then into mobile marketing space where he's been since 2012. And since then, he has also staked his claim in the publisher business, as he puts it. He is on the quest to find the balance between engagement and growth. Jeff, what a mission. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Welcome back to the show. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thanks, Peggy, John. It's, uh, it's good to be back. It's good to see you guys. It's good to have you back. And you know what? I mean, Peggy, I must have heard this before because we had Jeff recently and you did an intro to Jeff like you do an intro to every single guest. You do your research and you intro him. I had to just do a double take there because you said moved into the mobile marketing space in 2012. 2012. That is a decade ago. That's an eternity ago in the mobile ecosystem. That's a really long time. I mean, the iPhone was released, what, 2008? Announced 2007? Mm -hmm. Released 2008? Mm -hmm. So it was like, you know, the App Store came, what, 2009 or something like that, right? 2012 is really early. You've seen a few things, Jeff. Definitely. Yeah, I guess I hadn't thought about it from that perspective, but certainly. Sorry, <laughs> apologies. <laughs> well, it's a good, but I, I think about it, I, I see people who've been there for a lot longer than that, and they just know so much. I guess uh, there's still a lot to learn. <laughs> you know what? There's still a lot to learn because they keep changing everything. What the heck? Wow. Every, all your knowledge is outdated after a couple of years. Everybody's a newbie all the time. So you are now a mobile hero. Uh, that is cool. Did, did did Peggy and I have anything to do with that? I mean, like did show, showing up on the show, did that did that do it? I think so. I think that was <laughs> He's sucking up. Wow. <laughs> what was your response? Jeff, I mean, you made the grade really faster than most. I was like, wow, look who we're having back. Oh, we, we didn't even put away the prep docs and the folders yet. <laughs> and there you are again. <laughs> really surprised, I guess, and uh, humbled. Some of the past mobile heroes are people that I really look up to and like look to learn from on a regular basis and sort of always have. So 
uh, it was definitely surprising. But I think a lot of the mobile heroes, um, a lot of the work that is done is really like helpful and critical to at least me, like the lunch groups, the, the mobile heroes events. I mean, they're super invaluable to myself because I am able to learn just so much from everybody because there's just so many people who um, know more and they are doing different things. They're working on different projects and there's just, there's a lot to learn. So the program, you said it yourself, brings together marketers, admon specialists, brings them together. Usually it also is about recognizing their accomplishments. That's what this show is about, amongst other things. So I have to ask you, what's your biggest accomplishment to date? Well, I think for our company, I guess from a high level standpoint, in all honesty, I, I would say it's a challenge to keep pace in a, an incredibly complex technical ecosystem. I mean, mobile is super hard. Uh, it's, it's very hard and it's competitive. It's full of brilliant people who are developing, you know, business practices that are really hard to understand and keep up with, especially considering the industry, at least from like a personnel standpoint and just the amount of companies in it is pretty small. I mean, we may generate a lot of revenue and like large user bases, but we're sort of operating in silos in a, a lot of the a lot of the time. I mean, unless you're in, for instance, like SF or something, but if you're outside of SF, you really are, you can be siloed. So I think quite frankly, keeping pace is a, a great accomplishment. Um, and then from a product standpoint, I think that our team, we have done a great job building products with a very forward thinking mentality as it relates to like remote configuration and, and custom logics for like, it could be anything from like ads to live ops or like our content. And so that we're able to we may not, may not use all the features and functionality today, but we've thought of the future, I, I would say, uh, very well so that we're able to kind of adapt and grow quickly once we get to the point where we can use these features. And that definitely kind of ties into what we're talking about today. Perfect. 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 You know, when you were saying that there's some really challenging stuff that's hard to understand, it's almost like you were... Thinking of my past couple of days reading SK Ad Network 4.0 uh, <laughs> requirements yeah. and the details on Apple's developer site, the documentation, mm. there are some things in there that you go and you go, oh man, scratch my head, what the heck. But let's talk about joy because, you know, we're very joyful people, aren't we, Peggy? So joyful. Apparently, you're passionate about audience segmentation. It sparks joy in your life. I don't know if that's pharmaceutical enhancement as you do that, but uh, talk about segmentation and what makes you happy about segmentation. Yeah, I mean, I guess, uh, I guess it's, it is kind of nerdy, <laughs> but it is a lot of fun, I guess. For us, it has been sort of um, accidental or a natural progression in a sense, whereby our app doesn't have a, a blueprint for success. We have a solid competitor out there, but it's a paid app. So they have a different monetization and growth model. And there are some competitors out there that are working against us, but by and large, there's not really like a formula for us to work with the likes of which other apps and gaming companies might have. And as a result, you know, we, we have to kind of try to learn what our users are doing and what they have been doing is to better understand how to build products and how to uh, market to them and how to monetize them. And what we found pretty early on was we just have a huge, just a vastly different user base. I mean, we've got 
a ton of COPA compliant, you know, under 13, we've got a ton of 13 to 17, a ton of 18 plus, and it's pretty evenly distributed, even actually more skewed at the, for the younger demographics. And with that came like, you know, like it, some of them don't monetize as well as others. Like COPA, everybody knows doesn't monetize super well by comparison to like 18 plus. And they are, I mean, also we have a global audience. So we're not just tier one. It's since we have sort of a growth engine whereby our creators make content, share to the social ecosystem, and then that drives awareness and people want to do what they're seeing out there, like creating animations and like cool memes and movies. So then other people go and download. So we're, we're working with a truly diverse user base and they monetize differently and they use the app for different purposes too. So, I mean, different users can use the app for purely animation. Some use it for like memes and trends that are totally radically different than what the animators use it for. So um, breaking all this down and trying to identify the right paths to, to move forward for is kind of how we got here to this like audience segmenting um, universe that we spend a lot of time in today. It's just fascinating to see like what is actually happening. And it, it, I feel like we're still just barely scratching the surface. It does spark joy in his life. You can hear it, Sean. <laughs> He's like, yeah, this is great. And we love it. And we love breaking it down. Maybe I want to go to that question. You brought it up and talking about how segmentation, you know, uncovers opportunity. You can understand your audience. Why is that more important now than ever? Why do growth specialists need to do this? That is a good question. So I think, um, so if you like take our use case aside, times are always changing and evolving. So much like hardware for phones improves every year, or I guess it used to, I'm not sure how much it improves nowadays, but it, if you know what I mean, it, it, it hundreds of dollars worth, Jeff, <laughs> hundreds yes. of dollars worth. <laughs> um, but I mean, much like hardware evolves, software evolves and people's expectations evolve. So like there are great apps and games that just continually push the envelope and they just make better and better and better products. And that puts you in a situation whereby if your product isn't evolving at the same rate of pace, um, you may not meet the needs of your user base. So one thing is for certain, at least for us is just we have different users and they have different expectations and they need our app for different purposes. So understanding what their needs are at a user level allows us to better identify roadmaps for product and monetization and growth. So that's one thing. And then the other is competition. So, the, I mean, it's just the competition is just it's crazy out there. If you are not keeping pace with either like product and engagement strategy or monetization, someone might do a better job than you. They might make more money per user because they're seeing different trends with their user base. So they're able to extrapolate more revenue per user there, and then they can go back in turn and build better products and, you know, grow their user base larger. So those are the two that I would highlight. It's really interesting if I kind of look at myself through your lens, because I have a feeling like I'm a huge disappointment to Canva. I mean, like Canva must look at me and go, like, why is this guy using our servers? I do like one thing on Canva. I make thumbnails for YouTube 
and I have my one thing set up there and it's always kind of hard to get to, even though it's the last thing I've worked on, I got to scroll down the page to get there. And once I've done it, then it's like three steps to save it, it used to be one, right? Cause at first they asked me to share, I'm not going to share, sorry, this is <laughs> for one purpose, you know? And so they're having a hard time monetizing me and I feel bad about that in, in a sense, but you've said that breaking your audiences into segments can identify new paths for revenue and user growth. What's the most interesting thing you've discovered about that? I will say that we actually looked at Canva a lot as a side note in terms of uh, like product strategy, since they're sort of in similar ecosystems. But I, I mean, I would say one thing that we've learned, I would say like the key thing that we have identified as like a critical component for success for us from like a measurement standpoint would be understanding like the life cycle from the moment a user installs our app and beyond and in particular like the first few hours and the first few days because that's where we see the majority of like critical needs analysis to be addressed like the majority of our purchase behavior happens within like the first hour or two if we are able to make changes you know to core or like identify you know ways to adjust core event-driven KPIs that we know are like super successful to our business. Like for us, like someone completing like their first movie that they've made is a really critical KPI. So if we were able to make that happen faster or at a higher percentage per user for a certain audience segment, that's a really big deal for us. Likewise with, you know, uh, maybe like secondary event-driven KPIs that tie into retention and so forth, just like basic engagement. And when we look at them really from like, the second somebody installs the app within the first few hours and then the first few days after that. So when we are testing new features and functionality, it is uh, monumental to like see how it impacts somebody almost immediately out the gate. Yeah, I would say that's really where we, we place our emphasis. Interesting. Of course, that's never, you know, it might feel like a prize. It might feel like an accomplishment, but of course, audience segmentation is never static, right? Ongoing. Um, and you enjoy that, Jeff, but some marketers might not. And they want to understand the small changes you can make in a user journey. They can have a huge impact. Sometimes you can't even see it in your core metrics. You've tweaked something. You can't quite see it later. What do you measure, analyze, examine to make sure your audience segmentation is really on the money? I would say going back to like the relative reporting component of like, how these KPIs are changing at specific points in the, the life cycle. And, you know, what we'll, what we do is we break down our key core KPIs that, uh, as I mentioned, like our event driven, um, that really identify whether or not a user has like completed through like the basic life cycle of their journey, at least like one time, which is a core indicator of retention or in, and engagement for us. And from there, we will look at the secondary key metrics that are tied to like basic life cycle monitoring and, you know, retention and basic engagement and then revenue patterns associated. So we can come up with like a theory for maybe a possible change that we want to make within the app that we think will improve XYZ and put the hypothesis in place in terms of, in, in terms of the, the goals and outcome that we expect, and then we'll test and execute it. And then we'll start to assess those like key 
um, metrics that I mentioned. And really we like are looking for, in a lot of cases, trends that we weren't expecting, because if we start to look at like all of the basic events that we could possibly think of, uh, that are happening like immediately upon impact, once someone installs, a lot of times we see stuff that we weren't planning on seeing, whether that's like behavioral based or revenue based. And then we're able to kind of open that up and like pull on that thread and start to say, well, maybe there's more opportunity here, or maybe more, more opportunity here. That's kind of how we get started and like down certain paths. Once we've opened up a door for something that we want to look into. So much effort, John, and then you break you know his model, you know? <laughs> exactly. I must be so disappointing, <laughs> but I can only, I can only take so many subscriptions. I'm sorry. You know, I, my wallet can only handle so many subscriptions. There is a limit. Um, it's interesting, Jeff, as we're listening to you speak, because you are the head of both revenue and growth. And you mentioned that maybe you're not downtown SF. Well, you know, nobody is. It's kind of a dead zone right now. Nobody's there anymore. <laughs> but also you mentioned that, you know, maybe smaller organization, uh, different type of organization than some of the big games. In some places, those are very separate things. Yeah. And Peggy and I have had conversations with people that, you know, hey, we need to bring these together. We need to think about these together because we need to bring the right users who will convert in the right way. And we need to treat them the right way when they come in. We need to know what they're interested in, what ads they saw and what what tweaked their interest to come in. Being the head of both kind of gives you a nice holistic perspective on that. And you can do things that are the best for the overall business, not just KPIs in one part of it. Correct. It's interesting because. Being a, a smaller team, there's positives and negatives. So the negatives are that we don't always have the resources to necessarily like move as fast in certain capacities and, or like an, analyze like data sets, for instance, or prioritize where we should like all of the data that we are seeing. But at the same token, we do have the ability to move pretty quickly when like the, the time arises or for stuff that we deem as like super low hanging fruit. And part of that has to do with the way that, that our app is designed and built. It is so forward thinking. We, we have a lot of remote configuration. We we've built it in a way whereby like, while we may not be using everything, we can adapt, we can, we can move fast once we're there. Um, and we don't also have, you know, certain internal bureaucracies to go through. And then there is also the component whereby you can see, you know, like both sides of the spectrum and we aren't in silos, but at the same token, you know, it would be obviously nice to have a lot of the resources that some of the yes. larger companies who do have more established uh, teams like that are kind of operating in silos. So, yeah. Everybody has something to complain about. <laughs> I don't have all the resources the big team has. Then you're in the big team. Oh, those idiots over there. They're doing the wrong thing. Yeah. Yeah. I know. <laughs> it is, but yeah, having it being smaller, you can be a little bit more nimble and you can move faster. And that is nice. one thing that we're learning internally is like move faster. You know, we, we know things, we can just try them. We don't have to be afraid of breaking something because if we break it, we can fix it or we can adjust it. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> fix love it, it, adjust it. And remember, it was the nimble mammals who won in the end, right? Big dinosaurs, who needs those? Want to be small, <laughs> nimble. You have a certain optimism because I was reading in your blog and you write this and it just would make everyone very excited, right? And I quote, there is low hanging fruit everywhere for improving user experience, mouths and revenue. Now that sounds like everywhere. everywhere. He said everywhere. 
But you said it yourself at the top of the show, you need to focus. So what questions do publishers, do growth specialists need to ask themselves before they jump in there with both feet and try to win or try to find opportunity everywhere? Yeah, I, I mean, well, I guess every... Jeff is going like, why did I say everywhere? Why did I use the word everywhere? <laughs> Well, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, every team is different. Every company is different. You know, we, you just kind of highlighted how like larger corporations definitely have larger teams and they might be set up differently, like product versus monetization versus like growth and, you know, having their own requirements and like working models. But, you know, I think if I'm at a high level, I would, in a non-technical sense, I mean, a handful of questions like, you know, do I have ideas or theories to improve our business or our business unit. And that may sound silly, but everybody has ideas and, and sometimes they're really good and sometimes they're not, and sometimes they don't work, but at least if you um, try to bring them to the table and, and test them, or at least bring them up to your team, you know, you're, you're making an effort that might help change your business unit, your KPIs and so forth. So that's the, the first one. Um, and then and I'd ideas say spawn ideas, right? Yeah. Ideas spawn I mean, ideas. So, yeah. And, and I mean, and then the second would be like, do we have the technical capabilities to deploy and measure? That's a, that is a big one. And, uh, you know, start small, kind of get comfortable, try not to like be overwhelmed. And then from there, you can kind of like really figure out your path of where you're, you're looking to focus on. Um, and then prioritize and then get a little bit more granular and get organized. But and in the end, the last one is, I think this is also a big one. It's just not to be afraid because there are a lot of um, just models that are set in place and people, you know, I am afraid of like breaking things or changing things, but you have to kind of be bold sometimes and be willing to risk maybe some revenue or some user experience issues or retention in order to see what works and what doesn't work. And then sometimes your the hypotheses that you have is like, might be right or might be wrong, but maybe you've learned something totally new and it's just like amazing. Um, so I would say to not always be afraid and to be a little bit bold at times. I like that a lot and that makes a ton of sense. I often think and say that what defines the organizations or companies or brands that win is the rate at which they learn. And if another company might be smaller than you, might have worse market positioning, worse product, whatever, worse marketing, if their learning rate is faster, they're going to catch you, right? And so if you can make your learning rate as quick as possible, you can improve faster, you can get better faster, you can win. Let's end here, Jeff. Uh, this is Mobile Heroes Uncensored. And so we want something uncensored. We want something really blunt. You know, your opinion, uncensored on any aspect of mobile marketing that you are passionate about. What is your least censored opinion in mobile marketing? Least censored opinion in mobile market. I, I would say um, things are getting competitive and they have been, you know, I guess for a long time. And there's been these ebbs and flows of consolidation and like change um, that seem to have happened every couple of years where there's like a burst of it, but lately it's uh, more competitive than ever. And that probably makes it a lot harder for people jumping into the game, like new entrants, but for others, it's harder to kind of hold on against some of the larger established players. 
I think that it might be hard in the short term for some companies, but I think in the end, um, maybe change is good. You know, you know, maybe Apple's changes might work out for the better. Maybe we just kind of enter a new phase over the course of the next two years and everybody's better off because we are focusing on some of these things that we're talking about for user experience and privacy and so forth. So, I mean, I'm not saying it's help easy now, but in good now, but maybe it will yep. be for the better. I think that's a great answer to Lee's censored opinion. Maybe Apple's changes are for the better. Yeah. <laughs> that is great. I don't, know. <laughs> I don't know if that's the... No, it's all good. I actually do think Scan4 will help. I think that there's some tweaks that we just saw in the last couple of days that will not help, but that is for another podcast. Jeff, it has been such a pleasure having you part de, and uh, thank you for taking this time. Thank you, guys. Thank you, thank you Jeff. And I hope it sparked to joy to be on our show. <laughs> and I hope it sparks joy for our listeners. If it does spark joy, let us know. That will be great. Hit us up on Twitter. You know what? We're always looking for other mobile heroes, even if you're not officially crowned a mobile hero to be on the show. Have a great day. And thank you to all listeners. We really do appreciate you. Hope you're enjoying it. Let us know on social if you are. And let us know if you want to come and we'll have you on the show. If you're a mobile hero or you know of someone who is, then fill out the interest form over at shorturl.at forward slash JKSKT. Also, Liftoff has a Slack for mobile heroes and people in the mobile ecosystem. There's a link on the screen. And if you're listening to the podcast, it's at info.liftoff.io slash slack dash sign up. It's pretty cool. There's smart people there. And you know what? They probably need you too. And you have probably been completely blown away by all the insights on this show. And you want your transcript. And you can have it because the transcripts are over at Liftoff's website. Go to liftoff.io, click on heroes, and then click on podcast. I actually personally love transcripts because I read way faster than people talk. So that's a great way to get the insights really, really quickly. Until next time, this is John Kutz here. Thank you so much for joining. And this is Peggy Ann Saltz signing off for Mobile Heroes Uncensored. <laughs> <laughs>